Good evening. How's everybody doing? Good? That's good. That's good. I've been going through something, and I, I just want to share it with you. Again, if you judge me, I like that. All right? Because you might go through it one day. If you open your books up to Ephesians chapter 6 for me. I'm going through something, and while I'm going through something, I turned to my father, and he said, I want to give you some tools that you can use along the way while you're going through whatever it is. And I hope that these tools are some tools that will help you out. I want to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. It's that good one right there. It says, put on the full armor of God, right? It says, put on the full, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore and have your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Father God, we just come to you right now and just ask that you just let these words not fall on deaf ears and utilize this vessel to be able to be used by you in the bloody name we pray. Amen. I say that to you because in this passage you hear where he says, let's go back to the beginning. Put on the whole armor of God that you may not that you may be able to stand against the wiles. And I started to think about what I'm going through and I said, what is the wiles? And it's nothing that you never heard before. It's nothing new. It's the method or the strategies that the devil uses to come in to disrupt you, distract you, disturb you, and get triggers that you're going through, something that you're going through in your life to cause you to act out, that causes you to act in a way of rage or wrath. I said, wow, if I'm going through something, I need something more. I want to go to the next passage where it says, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I stopped there and I started to think to myself about wrestling because when I was a little kid growing up in the 80s, I loved WWF, World Wrestling Federation. And, and they had this one wrestler, you know, he used to talk like this. Maybe you can identify. He used to say, oh, yeah, the macho man, Randy Savage. Right. And so I sat back and I thought about that and I said, Wrestling, you know, to wrestle with something. In order to wrestle with anything, you have to touch. You have to be in close proximity in order to wrestle with something. And I started to look at myself and say, what is it that I'm wrestling with, God? Because I don't want to wrestle with you. If I know that I have you, I know that I'm secure. And God said, see, the devil is like, uh, opposing coach. So for the school here, I coach middle school basketball. And one of the strategies that I started to look at is, is the fact that the devil doesn't know what you're thinking, but he studies your actions. It's just like the opposing coach. 
the opposing coach doesn't know your, your playbook because every coach has a different playbook, right? But what that coach does is he studies the film and he watches is your weaknesses. He watches what you do to strategize against you so that way he can have victory over you. And I said, I, I can't, I can't let this happen to me. And, and hopefully if I have enough time, I'll get to, you. you know, my time is limited. So I'm trying to rush, but at the same time, he says, yeah, don't allow the devil to come in. And I started to think to myself, the battle that I'm facing is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the darkness of this world, which means I'm in a spiritual warfare. I'm in a fear with something that's affecting me, not only in the, in, from the invisible, but it's starting to affect me in the physical realm. Let me say that again, because you guys are looking at me like you didn't get that. So I want to say it one more time. All right. There's something that's affecting me, right? It's a spiritual warfare. That's what we call it. And it's affecting me in the invisible realm, and it's coming over to the physical realm. See, and the great thing about that he gave me was it's always easy to be prepared to fight something that's visible because you can see it. But what about the battles that you fight that you can't see? We talked about the methods and the strategies. The devil's schemes is what we're trying to fight against. The schemes is something that you can't see. You don't know when someone steals your identity, do you? Because you could try to prepare for that. Fraud. Those things, those that give their information over the phone, you don't know where that information is going. We're fighting a battle that's invisible. And these tools, these principles that I gave to you, they laid out and I said, well, how can I win in this battle? He said, well, I gave you a breastplate because the Bible says to guard your heart and guard your mind. I gave you a breastplate, the fiery darts. I want to guard my heart. He gave me a helmet, a salvation to guard my, my mind, my thoughts, because I don't know about you. Maybe you can identify with this, but my thoughts is what get me to go into a cycle. And though for those that may not know what a cycle is, it's something that keeps coming back and I keep falling I keep stumbling here I keep stumbling there and keep going over the same cycle I seems like I'll never learn from it and I said well if I got all this all these tools that they call armor I had one question and maybe this will open your mind if I got every armor here did you hear anything about a back plate? I heard the head, I heard the chest, arms, the sword, right? I heard all these, but I don't have a anything to, you see that? That's my back. I said, why don't I have a back plate? And God said, you know what? Maybe the reason why I don't have a back plate is because I know that in God I'm He's sufficient for me. He's protecting of me. But maybe I don't have a back plate because God wants me to just keep pressing forward. He wants me to keep moving forward. Let me give you something. For all of us as parents in here, the first day of school, you want to make sure that your children have the right uniform. You make sure that their hair is cut. For me, I have boys, right? So I want to make sure that their hair is cut. They have clean clothes. They have nice shoes on. They're, they're ready to prepare, right? They have book bag with school supplies in them. Don't it sound like armor that you're preparing them for school? 
It sounds like you're preparing them. But then when you're making them breakfast or you're driving them to school, the words of wisdom that you're giving them. I don't care about that. Let, let me let me go back to my days. All right. I don't know how it is, but back in my day, my mom used to say, I don't care about nobody else. Okay. When you're in that classroom, they get to talking. You better close your mouth. All right. They saying something you, you turn the other way. I don't know what parents say nowadays, but this is something I say to my boys. They don't listen. All right. They don't listen. However, at the same time, we are preparing them for what they are coming to expect. But are we really preparing them for what's unexpected? The things that they may face throughout the day that's unexpected. Are we really giving them armor to prepare them for the unexpected? I said to myself, wow. God didn't give me a backplate because as a parent, if one of my boys act up in school, Pastor Barry or one of the staff members is going to be calling me as the father. And this is what I'm going to do. I want everybody to take a look at this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to step up. And God said, that's what I'm going to do for you. You don't have to worry about a backplate because I have your back. Is that true? Do you guys get that? Right. You don't have to worry about your back being guarded because I got your back. Psalm 91 says that. Right. I have your back. I have your back. The thing that I want you to do while you in this world and you're walking with me. Turn to first Peter uh, five, eight, turn to first Peter five, eight with me. First Peter five, eight says. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may, what? Devour. The things that I'm going through, God is saying, here go the tools, here go the armor to protect yourself. And what I want you to understand is, is I need you to put that on every day. But in order for me to put that on every day, I must be in relationship with him. I must be in relationship with God. I must have a relationship with God because without the relationship, the armor is useless. Let me say that again. Without a relationship with God, the armor is ineffective. So it's, it's a must that every day we stay in close communication with God. So that way we can have the armor, the protection that is needed. If you read a little bit more. In that passage, you talked about praying, right? In Ephesians 6, 11, if you read more, it talked about praying. Praying to me is another form of armor because prayer is what gets you aligned with God's gifts for your life. Without the relationship, the armor is non-beneficial to you. And I know you have to be in relationship with God because Hebrews I think it's 11 six. It says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. I wanted to get quiet right there because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And to have faith, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. I need a relationship, God. So the struggle that I'm going through, I have the tools already because don't think that the darkness is not in the spiritual realm as well. I need the tools so that way I know that I'm prepared that when anything comes my way, I can stand against it. I know this. I have to. 
You know how quiet it is in here? It's not because of me. This is real talk. My time is running out, but I want to say this. The relationship that you build with God is a firm foundation. Doesn't it say that in the book of Mark? The two houses looked the same until the storm came. And when the storm came, you really seen what house had the right foundation. So I got back to him. And I said, well, God, that still doesn't answer why I don't have a back place. And yes, it does. I have your back, but I don't want you to look, look backwards. That's why you don't have to worry about you. I don't want you to look back because everybody do me a favor and look behind you. Right. If you look behind you, you can't see what's coming ahead of you, can you? So there's two things right there. You can't drive again looking backwards. You can't drive moving forward looking backwards. You can't ride a bike forward looking backwards. And God said, if you look back like Lot's wife, you might turn into salt. Oh, hold up. Let me give you something better. Who was Peter trusting when he was walking on the water? But when he looked back and he took his eyes off of. Did he, he started to what? I heard it. He started to what? Because he put trust in himself. He leaned to his own understanding. Right? Proverbs 3, 5, right? Trust in the Lord, lean not to your own understanding. And we all do that. When we get into our times of trouble, we start to lean to our own ability. But you got to understand that this is a spiritual warfare and your strength is not good enough. You need something much greater than yourself. You have to have something much greater than yourself. Look at me right through my statue. You're like, oh, yeah, he, he could probably handle everything, but I can't. And I'm telling you that I can't. There's things that I can't handle mentally, emotionally. We ain't just talking about physically. You could be the strongest guy in the world. Bodybuilders, you do all that for what? For image? What are you doing that for? Who are you hurting? What are you, you picking up a truck? I don't know what it is that you're picking up, but I want to drain to you. I want to, I want, I want you to understand that you have to be in relationship with God in order for this armor to be at your defense. That's why Paul was talking to the Ephesians about it, right? He gave it to them for a line of defense. So that when things came up, that they would have tools to be able to use to defend themselves. And I just told you, we don't have a back plate because we don't have to worry about that. In his word, it says that he is sufficient for us. Let's go to closing. I know you guys are tired of hearing me, all right? You're tired, you're tired of hearing me, all right? Do me a favor and go to the book of James. In closing, I want to give you the answer as to how do I get this armor We're going to go to the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. And it says in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Did you hear that? Submit yourselves. In other words, get in relationship with God so that way when it starts to rain, God can rain on your behalf. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? When it starts to rain, R-A-I-N, God can rain, R-E-I-G-N, on your behalf. Did, did you guys hear that? I don't know, because you guys are looking at me in kind of way. It says, submit yourselves to God. That way, when it rains, when trouble comes, the storm came. A part of the storm was rain. Am I correct? And then the houses 
Am I correct? And then you notice the foundation, right? And God is saying, this is a test right here. When it rains, if you submit yourself to me, get in relationship with me, I can rain on your behalf. But it's only until you get into relationship with me do you have my protection. Ah. Let's read the rest. I'm going to close. I know you guys are tired of me, all right? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? You thought you had a problem. Let let me give you. Can I? You think I can have one extra second? Let let me. I got to say this to you. All this time for a year, maybe a little bit longer. Most of you guys know that I'm a police officer, and I've been having some problems with coworkers. And the problem that having a coworker problem is, is I'm doing a job that I feel I should be at the next position. Right. And God told me this before in the prior message that I gave your eyes is in the wrong place. Sometimes you ask for things and you're not ready for them. See, are you really ready for that responsibility? Cedric Tanksley. See how he said that to me? Let me say it again. He said, are you really ready for that? Cedric Tanksley. Are you ready for that? And I said, I'm ready for that. Right. But we all know that God's timing is perfect, right? And all this time I'm sitting here and I'm mad, angry at the chief of police for my department because I feel like he's overlooking me. So he put someone above me. I was a corporal, right? It goes rookie officer, private first class, corporal, sergeant, so forth, right? With that being said, I thought he overlooked me. And I kept saying, why is this guy overlooking me? And my sergeant is not doing anything in this unit. I'm doing everything, putting everything together, coordinating everything. And then God said, but it's not your time. It's not your time. So these tools can work when you think that they only supposed to work in your benefit, but they also work in the other benefit to hold you accountable. Ah, Right. And that battle that I was going through in my own mind, I'm fighting a battle that probably wasn't even there. But in my mind, I allowed the devil to get on the inside and start to stir things up so I can go back through those cycles. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Right. I started going through those cycles. But then he showed me this as of last week on a Wednesday, a great day. Right. We had service that day. Right. On that Wednesday, he said this to me. My chief called me and he said, are you at work today? And in my mind, I said, of course I am. You don't hear me on the radio. Right? I said, of course. I said, yes, sir, I'm here. Because you know what we think we don't say, right? He's like, yes, sir, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. He said, yeah, don't don't go home today. And I said, huh? I was like, I know I'm not in trouble. That's the first. You see, I always went straight to the defense like I know I'm not in trouble. And then around five o'clock, he called everybody to a certain location and he called out Cedric Tanksley. <laughs> he called out Cedric Tanksley and he said, as of today, you're being promoted to sergeant. <laughs> hold on, hold on, let me clap too. But in closing, when you submit yourselves to God and you fall into relationship with God, which sounds like the armor, you hear that? When you get that relationship, it sounds like the armor. You don't have to worry about any other attacks going on because God has got your back. And all he wants you to do is keep moving forward. Can you guys receive that? Thank you. That's my time.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this evening. We praise you, Julia. Praise you, Lord. We thank you, God. Mm, we worship you, Jesus. We praise you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You pray th- we pray that you would speak to us now with this word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may stay standing and turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 13. First Samuel 13. Who's got a Bible? Who's got a Who's got a Bible out there? All right. I love it. I love it. I thought about doing a barn burner tonight, but Cedric, you know, he did a good job. So So you get mellow old Pastor Matt. First Samuel 13, verse 14 says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man. That's interesting, isn't it? He's looking. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be a captain over his people because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you. Wow, let's pray. God, just breathe on these words. Teach us teach us something tonight, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. amen. Now you may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Praise him in this place. All right. I was thinking about David's life, and he was just a unique, unique guy, wasn't he? And it says that God was looking. He was looking for a man after his own heart. And I love that thought, that God is looking. And in John 4, verse 24, the Father is seeking true worshipers, isn't he? He's seeking, he's looking, and he's looking for a man to stand in the gap and pray, and he's looking, isn't he? And the Son of Man came to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. He's looking. But here in 1 Samuel, he's looking for a man who has his heartbeat, who understands what's on God's heart. It's amazing to think about. But I just was thinking about David's life and what was so unique about him. And I, you know, I, this thought came to me as just, how many like to read Psalm 23? Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? You grew up like in Sunday school saying it. But it's good to take those things and slow it down. Like Proverbs 3, 5. You know, that was like the first verse I memorized. But there's so much there. If I just am familiar with it, I just gloss over it. Oh, yeah, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know? And Psalm 23 is amazing. And in the end of it, it says that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then he says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I thought, Wow. This guy had confidence, didn't he? He had confidence in God. And what gave him that confidence in God? He didn't have the Pauline epistles. 
He didn't have to all this stuff to study about eternal security and how many verses can you quote on it. And, but he had confidence in God. Isn't that amazing? All right, who's with me here? Isn't that amazing? Praise him in this place. All right, so in uh, 1 Samuel, sorry, yes, I wasn't 13, thank you, but 16. 1 Samuel 16, I was just thinking about David's life, and he had a lot really against him. You know, he's, he's out in the field tending sheep, and that's his job. Like, he's not at the house with the family all the time. He's doing that. And then even when Samuel goes to his house, he's not invited. That's crazy, isn't it? Bring all your sons. Oh, forget him. Like, we gloss over that, but that could be a serious dagger to your heart, couldn't it? Oh, he's... he's it's not him. Yeah, he's my son, but, you know, that's amazing. Like, he went through a lot. He's away from his family. He's with sheep. He's in a field. You're in a field all day with sheep. What are you doing? What are you doing? Practicing slingshot. How many hours are in a day? And what are you doing? There's no Netflix, as my wife said. Stole her joke. No Netflix, no football, no crossword puzzles, nothing. But you have God, right? I believe that this, this time in his life, like he was fellowshipping with God. And you see his Psalms, he wrote 75 Psalms. And he, he had like a communion with God. And he had confidence towards God. And how do you get that? How do you get that? And then later, after he's anointed king, like, what happens? Back to the sheep. <laughs> like, it's just, he had such a unique life. And then he, then he comes to deliver some food to his brothers, and then they make fun of him. I love it. His, his brother Eliab, he says, you know, he says about in verse, sorry, chapter 17, verse 20, 28, Eliab, his eldest brother, when he heard the way David spoke to the men, his anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why did you come here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Like, it's, it's even more of a dig. Like, it's just, it's like a worthless job. There's only a few of them. Like, anybody could do that, but did you leave them with anybody? <laughs> like, it's just nonstop, like, attacks on his character. Like, he's not a son. He's not a part of the family. He's off by himself. He's anointed king, but he's not really king. All of, he's there, like, amongst his brothers, and they're ridiculing him. But what does he say in verse 29? He says, what have I now done, and is there not a cause? And that, in the Hebrew, that reads that, didn't we get a word from God? And that's what I feel like David's life was about. He's tending sheep, but what is he doing? He's worshiping God. He has nothing else to do, really. I mean, the, the bear comes by, a lion, a wolf, the hobo comes walking through. 
He's got his job with those few sheep. But, but what is he doing? He's learning God's heart. And I, you know, my wife brought up a good point. It's like, how do you get to know someone's heart? You got to spend time with them. You got to spend time with them. I get to know God's heart by spending time with him. And God is looking for somebody that has that heartbeat and that has that. But on the other hand, I want to think about worship. Like worship is an incredible gift from God for us. True worship, praise, is like, it's amazing. It's, it's refreshing. It's, it resets, recalibrates our mind. It renews us. Worship. What does it mean to worship? I was thinking about in Daniel 6 when those guys, they come before uh, King Darius. And they hated Daniel. And they're like, oh, King Darius, live forever. Live forever. King, you're amazing. You know, and then, oh, by the way. You know, like, that is worship. They worship. They bowed. They paid obeisance. And the word worship is literally to, to bow down in the, in the Hebrew language, to bow down, worship. But to praise is to, like, to clap and to make music and rejoice. But worship and praise, like, that's something that David had that I believe kept him, that gave him confidence that when he came to Ziklag and it was burned down and everybody was against him, jeez, and his wives and children were gone, jeez, what did he do? He knew where to go. He knew God's heart. He knew it was for him. And in Psalm 51, after Nathan confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba, incredible sin, and how long did he go before he repented? We don't know. But, but he knew where to go. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Restore to me what? The joy of your salvation. The joy of your salvation. Like the presence of God in Psalm 1611 is what? Fullness of joy. Like David had to go back there and find that. Restore that to me, God. I lost it. I got sidetracked, the weight of the kingdom, being a king and everything, and ah, my friend's wife on the roof, and ah, I got to be restored. I got to get back to worship. And Pastor Schaller said something interesting, I think Wednesday night, or, or Sunday night, last Sunday night, about the tongue, and it says, out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and he said, that the temptation will be there to speak evil, to let evil come out of my mouth. But the thing that can keep me from that is worship. I said, wow, that's amazing. I need to cultivate worship in my heart. And that's why I love meditating on the cross. I think maybe we should meditate on the cross every day. It's like the most important thing in history. Pastor Ronaldo preached Thursday night in Owings Mills. If Jesus didn't go to the cross, he failed. Yeah, he was a good person. Yeah, he healed people. If he didn't go there, he failed. So we gotta, we worship him because of the cross. That is where it all began for us.
So let's uh, turn to John 4, just thinking of worship. Praise him in this place. Praise him in this place. Well, what, what Cedric was saying, like the relationship with God that, that allows me to fight, and what David said, like, I got a word from God. Of course I can fight this guy. And he had that confidence. Like, when you get the word of God and you, you really take hold of it, I believe that worship is, is an outflowing of faith. Like, I trust God. I trust him so I can worship him. I can praise him because I trust him. So let's, um, let's look at John 4. And he's talking to the, the woman at the well. And she says in verse 20, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. What is she saying? What is she saying? I really don't know how to worship. That's what she's saying. Like, I thought it was this way, and then you guys are saying this way. I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm lost. And the word worship is to kiss towards. Like, I'm, I'm praising him, I'm kissing, or I kiss the ring of like a king or something. That's what worship is. It's like total reverence and respect. And praise is like more rejoicing and, and thanking him. I'm so amazed and thankful for what he did. But to worship, I don't know how to worship. I thought it was this place. I came here and then it didn't work. Was it the place or what is it? And Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, but you don't know what. And I believe that the more we learn about God, the deeper our worship is. He said, you worship, but you don't know what, because you don't know me. My people forsake me, the fountain of living waters. You don't know that I'm a fountain of living water yet. So your worship is not real. You don't know how to worship. But the more you learn about Christ, the more you learn who he is, the more deep your worship becomes, and the more your confidence grows in God, like David's. And we become a a man and a woman after God's heart. And then um, Psalm, well, I don't want to get there yet. Uh, Verse 23 says, But the hour comes, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. He's seeking, isn't he? Psalm 22, 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises. What does it mean that he inhabits our praises? That he, he dwells there. His presence is there. He loves it. He's looking for it. Where is that? I want to be there. And worship becomes this communion with God. And in Revelation, I'm sorry, in Romans 12, 1, when it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
It says this, which is your reasonable service. And the word service can be translated worship. Your reasonable, your logical worship. Because I've, what he has done and who he is towards me is so amazing. It's just the natural outflowing of, of thanksgiving and praise. That I'm so thankful and, and I worship him. And I worship him. How many have just really like, you're just by yourself and you experience the presence of God and you worship him? Has that ever happened? It's amazing, isn't it? Because it's God. It's his presence. It's the almighty God. I was thinking like, what is it, what is it like to worship before, you know, Baal or, or Buddha or, I don't, I don't even know. It's not even worth saying their names. But what is it like bowing before them? Like, I bring an offering for what? And what's the worship in my heart? I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping because I need something. I'm worshiping because I have to. I'm worshiping because it's an obligation. I'm worshiping because of fear. I'm worshiping because something I, I want in the future. But we have something so much greater. We have the real living God. And like our worship is, is an incredible gift because it's real and it's genuine. And the scary part about that is he is the living God and he knows what's in your heart when you're worshiping. <laughs> But the beautiful part about that is he's the living God and we can worship him because he's the real living God. And it's real, genuine worship. And God loves real, genuine worship. And he, he, he anoints that and he puts his presence there and he teaches us things about him there. Like that's where we learn. And the Spirit is teaching us all things in John fourteen twenty six, And he's leading us in worship. Sometimes the worship, it doesn't even come from me. It's the Spirit leading me there. Don't think you're so amazing because you were worshiping the other day. Then maybe it was the Spirit that led you there. <laughs> you know, like, it's amazing to be a man after God's heart. I think that David really cultivated that in his time alone. Alone with the sheep, like meditating, considering God, worshiping God, communing with God. How did he get God's heart? He had to have been fellowshipping with God. How can you know God's heart without hanging out with him? I think that's probably all I want to say. But getting to know God and learning of him, like, it really deepens my worship. And I, I do, I want to praise him, like, in the most genuine way, don't you? And I want to enjoy it. And I do enjoy it. I love worshiping. And people always say, you do such a great job. And I'm like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> We have our, our culture that we, that we worship in. The fast song, medium song, slow song. Like that's our culture. 
And maybe somebody will step outside that culture like this woman and say, I don't, I don't, I'm in Samaria and I don't know what I'm doing. I lost the culture of worship. How do I worship? If you lose the culture of worship, can you still worship? That's a question, isn't it? Can I worship the living God by myself, in my room, in my car, on the roof? I work on the roof. Can I do it? Yes, I can because he's the living God and his spirit is in me. And his spirit guides me in all truth. And his spirit speaks to me. And his spirit is teaching me who God is. And his spirit is leading me to say, Abba, Father, isn't he? The spirit is leading us in that. I, I, it's not really in me to do that. I don't look at my, my dad here and say, no, daddy. <laughs> I don't do that. But, but it's because it's just naturally it feels awkward. But the spirit can lead me out of that with God. And I can praise him in a new and living way. Isn't that true? How many cry out, Abba, Father? Not many hands went up. It's because it's a little awkward, isn't it? I, I need the spirit to give me that. Like really trust, confidence in God. Like David can just, so many of his, of his psalms were laments and he's crying out to God. But in the end, he says, I'm trusting you. I'm praising you and I'm trusting you. Father, Abba, Father. Like I, I want to learn that. I want to learn that amazing just worship. He's my father. I love him so much. Like I want that. Don't you? I want to be a man after God's heart. Don't you? I believe that a spirit of worship can bring us there. Amen. Amen. Let's let's say a prayer. If there's anyone here that has never received Christ, the real living God, the fountain of living waters, his arms are open to you. He died on the cross to save you from your sin, to pay your debt, to save you because he loves you. If you've never believed in Christ, do it now. Receive him as your Savior. Say, God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son Jesus to pay for my sins. And if you said that prayer with every eye closed and every head bowed, could you raise your hand if you said that prayer? Accepting Christ into your heart for the first time. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your spirit that is leading us and ministering to us that we are the sons of God ministering our position in Christ, ministering to us who we are, ministering to us who you are towards us. We ask that you would lead us in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.